Today's Proverbs 27. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. My son, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. Take the garment of him who is surety for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he is surety for a seductress. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit, so he who waits on his master will be honored. As in water face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, and a man is valued by what others say of him. Though you grind a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. May this word give you life and be your comfort in affliction. Mm. Heavenly Father, we ask that uh, your word might be hidden in our heart, that we might not sin against you, and that it would be a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. We ask that it would be to us the wisdom Mm -hmm of God and and to that end we ask that as we hear your word this morning it might be mixed with faith in Jesus name we pray Amen Well, last week I was ready to move right on through this chapter, but in looking more at verse 10, I realized that there is a very important concept being taught that really needed to be fleshed out, really needed some more uh, attention. It's a concept that is fundamental to friendship. In fact, I would dare say that it is so vital to friendship that rightly defined it could be considered the essence, the essence of friendship. is belonging to the essential character of friendship. And as I looked further, I realized that really this, this whole section is dealing with friendship, and which is dealing with friendship, is, is in fact dealing with this essence 
of friendship, and that is, of course, loyalty. Loyalty is a Christian virtue. It's a Christian grace. It's expected of Christians. Proverbs 19, 22, if you remember, it says that what is expected of a man is, is loyalty, as it's translated in, in some versions. It's loyalty. Loyalty is what maintains a friendship. It's the foundation of our relationships. And now it's a very complex concept to define. It's complex because loyalty doesn't always mean or doesn't mean always agreeing with someone or even always saying just wonderful and nice things to them. Sometimes, as we saw last week, loyalty means saying hard things. It means being candid with our counsel when we'd rather not be. Sometimes it means tough love in addition to being considerate. Being loyal is a way of showing truthfulness, faithfulness, honesty, discipline, humility, kindness, all the attributes that we looked at last week, being considerate, being constant, candor and counsel. And so it can all be summed up as, as aspects of loyalty. But the, I would say that the essence of loyalty is, uh, is here in this verse, uh, in chapter 27, verse 10. That is, not forsaking. Not forsaking. The essence of loyalty is not forsaking. Verse 10 says, Do not forsake your friend or your father's friend. That's illustrating Loyalty. It doesn't use the word there, but it's illustrating the concept. Loyalty to someone is not forsaking them even when things don't go well. When we think about loyalty, Ruth comes to mind. She was loyal to Naomi. This concept of not forsaking Naomi is central to her commitment to Naomi. When Ruth's husband had died, and Naomi's husband had died, and Orpah's husband had died, and Naomi was headed back to the land of Israel as a widow, destitute, with no one to care for her, she wanted Ruth and Orpah to go back to their families, but, Naomi said, but, but Ruth refused to go. Ruth said, don't ask me to leave you or to turn back from following after you, for where you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people will be my people. And your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And the Lord do 
so to me and more also if anything but death separates you and me now that's loyalty that's loyalty Naomi was somewhat of a bitter person you know she describes her life as bitter uh, but but Ruth was loyal to her she followed her she did not desert her loyalty then is not abandoning not forsaking someone either emotionally financially physically or, or in any other way it's not forsaking the there's another couple there's several words that are used in in the bible for for loyalty for this concept another one of them is is to cling to cleave to cling to someone when when other people don't. Second Samuel 20 talks about a, a coup against David and it says every man of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah from Jordan as far as Jerusalem remained loyal to David. That word they're loyal is literally that they clung to David. They didn't they didn't forsake him. They clung to him. They retained him and continued to recognize him as their king. They were loyal to David. Another word that the scriptures used to describe loyalty it was, was one I didn't realize. It's a very common word. You probably all recognize it. It's the word for loving kindness. Chesed. It's God's loving kindness, his faithfulness. It's, it's kindness, though, that is based on a prior commitment. A prior commitment, God's covenant. And so when Saul was killed and his body hung on the wall, uh, there were people that went there and took it down and buried it. And David sent messengers to them the men of Jabesh Gilead and he said may you be blessed by the Lord because you showed loyalty to Saul your Lord and buried him that's loyalty there that word is chesed, loving kindness but it's loving kindness that's based on a prior commitment Saul was their king and so their loyalty to him meant that it extended to showing this kindness to him to rescuing their bodies and burying them in uh, a, a little later after um, Saul died Abner who was the general under Saul made um, Ishbosheth king over Israel he fought um, Abner fought for Saul's kingdom and he showed kindness to, to Ishbosheth in that. He could have gone over to David. But um, he showed kindness. That's the same word. He showed loyalty to Saul. So, so this loyalty is to be, is to be uh, disappointed without deserting somebody. To be taken advantage of without rejecting them. But of course there are, there are boundaries as we will see we, as we saw this morning there were boundaries to the loyalty of the Levites in the, in the northern tribe 
their their loyalty has to first of all um, be to the Lord. So that that's the first loyalty, and that limit that put a boundary upon their loyalty to the to their king Jeroboam and to the cities and villages that they lived in. And those people abandoned the true worship of the Lord, and they were not allowed anymore to offer the sacrifices as God had commanded them. And they realized they needed to to leave there. Now, one of the most common words in terms of frequency that's translated loyalty is this is a word shalom and it and it's a covenant relationship that is marked by peace it describes it speaks of a covenant relationship that's marked by peace and and this word is often put together with heart you know heart is a very important concept in in the hebrew bible and so it's it's a covenant relationship, it's a covenant-keeping relationship in which one's whole heart is is invested. And this word often it is most frequently used to describe the kings of Israel and Judah. You know, when they died, the scriptures often give an assessment of their of their rule. You remember that as you read through Kings and uh, Chronicles. When the king would die, the scriptures, so that would be uh, Ezra or Jeremiah, gave an assessment of their kingdom, of their rule. And and these kings now are the servants of God. They are his ministers. All the authority that they have is from God. It's his authority that they exercise. And so the the assessment of these kingdoms, of these kings, is in terms of their loyalty to God. He's the one in whose, in whose name and with whose authority they rule. And so there's probably, you know, 15 or, or 20 times where an assessment is made of a king, whether he was loyal to God or not, whether he followed God and his commandments or, or not. Those who kept God's commandments and walked in his ways were said to do so with a loyal heart. And those who forsook the Lord and did not walk in his ways and didn't keep in his commandments and statutes were said to be not loyal to God. Solomon instructed the Israelites when he dedicated the temple in in 1 Kings 8, in that lengthy prayer that he gave and the exhortation that he gave to the people there, he said, let your heart therefore be loyal, and it's that word, shalem. Have this covenant relationship marked with peace. Let your heart therefore be loyal to the Lord your God to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. Now, sadly, he fell away from his own exhortation. And a little later in 1 Kings 11, it says that when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. The same is said of Abijam, Solomon's grandson. He walked in the sins of his father, which he had 
done before him. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. Asa. Now this doesn't mean that these kings were without sin. It means that their heart was loyal. They were blameless. When Asa turned to Syria instead of the Lord, when the northern kingdom uh, tried to pin him down, God sent a prophet to rebuke him. He paid a bunch of money to the king of Syria to come and attack Israel and free him up. And this is what the prophet said, the seer, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who are loyal to him. And in this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on you will have wars. Earlier in, in Asa's reign, when the Ethiopians had come against Israel or Judah, the southern kingdom, with an army that was at least twice as big as what he had, they had the million people. He didn't have that many by half. He prayed to God. And God delivered their whole nation without them really even having to fight. So God said of Asa in that instance he wasn't loyal to God, but God's overall assessment of Asa was that his his heart was loyal all the days of his life. 1 Kings 15, 14. Even though the high places were not taken away in Judah. The Lord has made that assessment that his heart was loyal all the days of his life even though there were times that he sinned and and uh, and didn't do what was right. In fact, he didn't like the words of that prophet and he had that prophet put in jail. Now that wasn't, that wasn't good. Um, loyalty, though, also extends across generations and, and includes family. It says here, don't forsake your friend or your father's friend. So loyalty to our fathers, our parents, is to show loyalty to their to their friends and to not forsake them. Now this is probably a very foreign concept to many of us in in America today, because our culture is one of extreme individualism rugged individualism maybe like we like to think I don't know that it is so rugged there's a lot of strength and stability that comes from an extended family and, and just like there is strength and stability that comes from a church that provides backup you know, to a family we all need backup as individuals we need it right we we do things and we need somebody to help us as families we can need somebody to help us at times as well and and in most other in many other cultures there is a a um, there is a loyalty a family loyalty that is uh, often not a part of our culture because oftentimes we live so far apart from people and we're not near our families and this uh, this passage actually addresses that it says better is a neighbor 
nearby than a brother that is far away. But we live in general in an age when loyalty of all kinds is low. Whether that's loyalty to the small town and the and the small town grocer and the small town hardware store, or whether it's loyalty to uh, to, to a church or loyalty to a denomination or loyalty uh, even at work. Even in uh, prior generations, it was a lot more common for people to be able to work their entire life at, at one place and. There was a loyalty. There was a two-way loyalty, and that a lot of that is gone today. There, we don't have a loyalty to the people that we do business with. It's whoever is the cheapest, whoever is the most convenient at that moment. We have more the idea that what we do with our life is our business entirely. But our life and what we do with it affects other people, especially our family. And so true uh, true loyalty considers that context, considers the context of our family and friends when we make decisions. It remembers parents, children, spouses, extended family, churches, and so on. That is, and that is a biblical concept. I remember about maybe 20, 20 years ago, we moved to, and we moved around a lot. I, I think I'm living in like my 22nd house right now. But one of these places that we had moved to, um, one of the uh, people, we, families we got to know in the church there, he had um, he'd be, he was an engineer, a scientist, uh, and in talking with him, I was I was uh, surprised that he had when he had graduated from college, he had deliberately taken a job that didn't pay as much and wasn't as good a job because that job that he took was closer to his family farm. It was only maybe two hours away. And the other job would have been a lot farther away. And I remember at the time thinking, that being a little surprised at that. But I've come to see, as I have known him over the years and, and seen his uh, decision-making, I've come to realize that that was a very wise decision. He had a loyalty to his family and to the greater to his the friends around him than than most people have, and there was a wisdom in that. There was a great wisdom in that, and that's what this passage is talking about. Don't it's it's loyalty, loyalty to friends and to family. Our, our nation is especially uh, bad at it. But I think by the grace of God, things are, there are some, things are changing to some extent. I see over the last generation um, that, that there are changes happening, at least in the church. 
in this regard. And that's encouraging. Because it is, uh, it is uh, friendships and networks in a community and a loyalty to that community that provide stability in a country. And I think one of the satanic attacks upon this land has been the concept that well, children can grow up and do anything that they want to do and live anywhere, go anywhere they want to go. And that there really is no, um, oftentimes no set, the, the corporate ideal was that you were, you were just a cog, that you could go any business, anywhere, anytime and run it. And I think businesses are beginning to realize that doesn't even work very well. And so they're even looking to have people stay in one place longer because competency requires it. But, but loyalty requires that. See, when you're moving around city to city, there's no loyalty, there's no attachment to that community that you're living in. <clears throat> and that is destabilizing to a country and to a culture and to a nation. And it's destabilizing even, I think, to families. That they, they can exist and grow up uh, in, in, in isolation from their extended family, from the aunts and uncles and the cousins and the, and the grandparents and the great-grandparents and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren. There was a tribe, the Rechabites, that were an example. They're an incredible example of loyalty. Their father said that they shouldn't drink wine and they should live in tents. And 500 years later, they were still living in tents and not drinking wine just because of their loyalty to their fathers and their fathers' fathers. The, the, you could say, well, the, the scriptures didn't require that of them. But they did it. It was a loyalty. And they, they were used, because of that loyalty, God used them as an example. An example. Loyalty to our, our family, then, is to be loyal to our father's friends. Loyal to your father's friends. There's a lot of practical wisdom in that. Um, a lot of practical wisdom to be to maintain those friendships because those are oftentimes people that have an interest in their in the children of their friends as well. <coughs> now loyalty, as we've said, is circumscribed by the word of God. Verse eleven says, "My son, be wise. Be wise." and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. Loyalty is first wise. Loyalty is not loyalty if it is not in wisdom. And you know all wisdom is hid in Christ. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is to keep his statutes, to walk in his ways. It's a carefulness not to do unrighteousness. And loyalty isn't loyalty if it is not first 
wise. If it's not first a loyalty to the word of God and the standards uh, that he that he gives us. My son, be wise. Time and circumstances do matter. Time and circumstances do matter. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. When do we break loyalties? Well, there is a time for that. We saw the northern tribe break away and God stopped the southern tribe from pursuing them and saying it was of him. We, as a nation, uh, broke away from the English government. Uh, That's a question I think a lot of uh, Christians have wondered whether that was correct or not. I believe it was, but uh, but to answer that, we, you wouldn't have to look at the <coughs> the things like the Fairfax Resolves, where they listed all of the abuses and the tyrannies that were being uh, perpetrated that were contrary to the laws that they were living under. And uh, but but there but time and circumstances matter. There is a judgment there, and and when somebody decides that that's the right time to break a loyalty that that time has come, that may be different. People people may reach that at different times. And we need to be able to respect that. We need to, we need to recognize that God may, uh, different people may have different views on that. Same with uh, denominations and leaving a denomination. There are some people that stayed in these uh, denominations that were not faithful, lot longer than other people stayed. Some people stayed decades longer in the hope that out of a sense of loyalty. And and there is, um, there is, uh, that's good. When it's done out of a sense of loyalty, out of a desire to see reformation, uh, as opposed to just giving up and abandoning something, then, then that should be respected. There isn't always a, there isn't always a uh, easy answer. Some people tend to leave earlier than other people. But for every matter, there is time and a judgment. Ecclesiastes says, "For every matter, there is a time and a judgment." There is a there is a time, a proper time. Now. David and Jonathan are a really amazing example of this type of friendship. They became uh, very close friends right after David killed Goliath. Saul wondered who this guy was. And uh, Abner went and got him and, and introduced him. And when he had finished speaking to Saul, that is David, the soul of Jonathan was nipped to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go to his father's house anymore. 
And then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. That's the start of that. That was when David was a very young man. Jonathan was probably a fair bit older, quite a bit older, actually. And Jonathan was a loyal friend to David. Yes, in the, in the beginning, David was in favor with his father, and so Jonathan was simply befriending his father's friend at that point. So David had just delivered the kingdom, delivered uh, Israel from the tyranny of, of the Philistines, and Saul was very uh, pleased with him. But things didn't go well between David and Saul. And David was loyal to Saul. That's an interesting thing that you could look at. We, we're not going to look at that this morning because we want to look at this relationship that Jonathan and David had. Because it's an incredible loyalty that Jonathan had for, for David. So even when... Uh, even when Saul began to persecute David and seek to kill him, Jonathan's loyalty didn't waver. Even when it meant incurring the wrath of his father, Jonathan's loyalty didn't waver. Even when it meant Saul tried to kill Jonathan, Jonathan did not forsake David. He risked his life to be to to maintain his loyalty to David. Jonathan loved David. He interceded for him. Remember when Saul was very hot and had determined to kill him. Then David wisely stayed away from a feast. And when Saul asked where David was, Jonathan filled in for him. He said, well, he had to go home. And he asked me to go home to Bethlehem because there was a sacrifice there. And when, and and after a couple of days, when Saul figured out something else was up, uh, and he became very angry with Jonathan, Jonathan did not forsake David. That meant that Jonathan was supporting David, even though he realized that in doing so, he was supporting the one who would have the kingdom and not him. That's the extent of David's or of Jonathan's loyalty. <clears throat> and I'd just like to look at he intercedes in 1 Samuel 20 he risked his life for him he intercedes for him and when it becomes apparent that, that David has to flee David who is loyal himself to Saul despite Saul reneging on promises um, Saul uh, seeking to kill him David stayed around as long as he could. He was loyal. He didn't just forsake Saul at the first opportunity, first excuse. But when it became apparent that that there was no way that he'd be able to live, then there was this incredible parting between Jonathan and David. And you remember the story how they had a, a, little, a young boy 
come out and they had a, a plan to signal each other as to what was happening. And so after that event, after that signaling had happened and the message had been passed, the lad is sent back and David arises out of his hiding place. And he fell on his face to the ground and bowed down three times. And they kissed one another and they wept together, but David more so. Why? Because Jonathan was the one demonstrating loyalty to David. David was receiving the fruit of a loyal friend. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed. And Jonathan went into the city. Now some people today have tried to make that out to be a, a homosexual fornication going on, but it's nothing of the sort. Men still kiss each other even today in certain countries of the world, like France. It's common. It's very. This is a common way of greeting. This is, this is pure, holy, loyalty. Chesed, loving kindness because of a prior commitment. Jonathan committed himself to David, and David committed himself to Jonathan, and and they didn't forsake each other. They showed kindness to each other. Even when the time, even when it was difficult, and then later on, after Jonathan is dead, and and uh, Saul's house has been weakened, David, as the king says, "Is there anyone left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for the sake of, his, of my friendship and loyalty to Jonathan?" Remember, he took him Mephibosheth, who was lame, and showed kindness to him because of his loyalty. To Jonathan. That kind of loyalty brings respect. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit, so he who waits on his master will be honored. That kind of loyalty that Jonathan and David had brings respect. Respect is the fruit of a life of loyalty. Loyalty to your work, whether that's a boss or a company or one's customer. Loyalty means showing truthfulness and faithfulness and discipline and humility and kindness. Loyalty to one's spouse. Loyalty to family brings honor. Proverbs describes a loyal wife who doesn't forsake her husband and family. She does him good so that he will have no lack of gain and his heart safely trusts her. And what's the result of this kind of loyalty? This kind of commitment? Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. What about when a husband's really hard to live with? A lot of those out there. Well, people see that. That only serves to increase the honor with which we hold people that are loyal. Whoever keeps the fig tree gets to eat its fruit. There's a little kid's book that makes that point. Remember the chicken that plants the wheat and then harvests it and then bakes the bread and so on. And and she's always asking anybody else want to join in this effort and nobody has any time when it's work 
when it's time to eat, and then they want to join, but no, that reward belonged to the one who did the work. He who keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit. So he who waits on his master, so he who is loyal to his master will be honored. Will be honored. Loyalty is is not forsaking our calling, not forsaking those who are around us, even when the time is difficult, even when they disappoint us, even when they maybe even take advantage of us. Even God is loyal. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that first that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Remember, God is the one who is the God of loving kindness. Now, loyalty uh, loyalty is humble. There's a verse 21 is a very interesting verse in um, there's a lot of different ways that you could take the Hebrew and if you have different translations they, some of them are kind of different from each other there is um, the verb there, that verb in, if you have a New King James that word for valued that's, that word is not there in the, um, in the Hebrew it, it literally says um A, uh, a man's heart is known by what he praises. Or it could say a man's heart is known by how he receives praise. It's not clear that his praise could be praise that he gives, or it could be his praise meaning praise that he receives from others. And it's not always, you have to tell from the context which it is. And, and most of the time in the, the context it's pretty obvious which it is. Um, whether, it's, whether it's love that we are, for example, giving, or whether it's love that we are receiving. In this case it's a little bit difficult. I, I think the, the answer is found in one, the context of the uh, the, repine, the refining pot for silver and the furnace for gold. These are things that test gold and silver. They they determine what's in, they help us determine what is in those things. They refine them, and that's a testing process. And so the principle is in the same way, in the same way, a man is tested by the praise he receives. Just like a refining test gold and silver, a man is tested by praise. How is praise handled? Does it lead to pride? Does it lead to arrogance? What, it, what happens when a man is praised? I think that's the sense of it here. Loyalty is humble. I think it's uh, quite interesting uh, and, and significant that this word loyalty is the same word as the Lord's loving kindness to us. Psalm 103 
17 says but the chesed the loyalty the covenant faithfulness the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him that brothers and sisters is the ultimate expression of loyalty God's loyalty to those to whom he's covenanted to those who are his people and his people are those who fear him who serve him who persevere Christ never forsakes us even when we grieve him he forgives us he rejoices over us he delights in our in our praise in our worship he delights in us because our Heavenly Father is loyal he is the example of loyalty of chesed of loving kindness and faithfulness may the Lord give us that kind of loving kindness that kind of shalem that kind of cleaving that we may have first of all loyalty to our Heavenly Father that that is the foundation of all loyalty but that flows that then flows out into all of our relationships into all of our life as we are loyal we are loyal to those to those institutions around us let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you that you are loyal that your loving kindness extends from everlasting to everlasting we thank you Lord for the that, that you forgave the iniquity of your people and you brought Israel back from captivity because of your loving kindness and tender mercy because of your because you were loyal we thank you Lord that you that you know us we thank you that you preserve us we thank you that you uh, forgive us that you do not forsake us or leave us but you are always with us and you are always ready to forgive as we confess our sins to you there is never any hesitancy to receive us and Lord we praise you thank you and we ask that you would likewise give us a tenderness one to another a forgiveness one to another even as you have forgiven us in Christ Lord may we be those who exhibit this uh, loving kindness this cleaving uh, and not forsaking may we be those who are loyal first of all to you in Jesus name we pray Amen.